1: Welcome. If you're in business in Toronto and Peel, today is the first day of the rest of your life as we enter stage two of reopening. But what are the risks? The numbers look good today, though I hesitate to put it that way when another 12 people have died of COVID-19. And yesterday we learned about the first death of a child with COVID-19, though we were told she died with the disease and not because of it. And over the last few weeks, we've seen a troubling trend, and that is an increase in the numbers of younger people becoming infected. It's not surprising when you consider that the tragedy in long-term care is starting to come under control. And in the meantime, the weather is great and young people are starting to chafe under the restrictions. They want to see their friends, they want to have fun and enjoy the summer. And amid all of this, the talk throughout the pandemic has been that Younger people don't really need to worry about their own health, that they will not be the ones with severe cases, even though that's not entirely true. And what about physical distancing? Some countries like the UK are cutting the requirement in half from two meters to one meter. So, are you planning to get a haircut or have a drink or a bite on a patio? The number is 416 toll-free 866 740 740 And in the meantime, let's check in with Dr. Alon Baseman, epidemiologist with the University Health Network, and Dr. Raywat Dionandon, epidemiologist and associate professor in the Faculty of Health Sciences at the University of Ottawa. Hello, everyone.
2: Hi there. Hi, thank you for having me.
1: So, uh, are either of uh, you guys rushing out to uh, get a haircut or or uh, sit on a patio? Uh,
3: for me, no. My my spouse won't let me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to wait until I see how the data uh, manifests. Uh huh. Your spouse won't let you. That's right. She's a doctor, so she's a little more conservative about these issues than I am. I think she's right. I think um, if you don't have to rush out, don't do so.
1: Okay. And.
3: Uh, yeah,
2: I think uh, that makes sense that we, even though things are opening up, we should still try to be cautious and really still try to limit our activity to things that we really need to do and take, take advantage of this time to do those things rather than, uh, you know, things that could still wait for a few more weeks.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I don't think that uh, that's actually what's happening out there. Uh, certainly when it, when it comes to haircuts, a lot of people are really anxious to uh, fix up their hair. And, and also sitting on a patio, uh, We they opened up at 12.01 and we saw some pictures of patios with lineups uh, after midnight yesterday. Uh, what kind of a risk do you think those people are taking?
2: I think for the outdoor activities, it's far lower than the ones that are conducting indoors on patios. If the right things are done in terms of distancing between the customers... Uh, hand hygiene and also wearing masks if it if it's in very close contact. I think I think the risk there is low, uh, but when you're dealing with inside situations, the risk is potentially higher when people are making physical contact with each other, like taking haircuts, or uh, and or having any kind of close contact like that. But those things can be mitigated by wearing masks, using hand hygiene, not going to work when you're sick, not going outside when you're sick. And there were interesting examples in the U.S. where uh, people who were Having COVID had exposed other people during uh, haircutting, and there were minimal amounts of exposure going uh, like actual cases transmitted so the point being that we, we can still tra- reduce our transmission if we 're careful about it
1: I heard a, when it comes to haircuts i I heard an interesting question uh, about blow drying does does blow drying mitigate the risk by you know moving particles around or does it make it worse <sighs>
3: Wow, that's a really interesting question. It probably doesn't make that much of a difference, to be honest. If someone is near to you, then the risk is droplet transmission will be incident on your face or your mucous membrane. If they're wearing a mask, then droplet transmission is minimized. The blood drying probably reduces the risk a little bit, but I wouldn't put uh, any strong
1: hope on that being your salvation. Uh huh. Do you think um, that we are moving too quickly?
3: That's um, uh, a value laden uh, question. And I don't think we are moving too quickly. Uh, In Ontario in general, the caseload is low across the province. It's just that in a couple of key places like downtown Toronto and Peel, where the epidemic is most problematic. But I think uh, we're taking the right steps and unfolding at the rate we should be.
1: Okay, uh, let me give the numbers out again four one six three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty i 'd like to hear from our listeners. I know that in in my circle it's it 's kind of half and half I have people who are just itching to get out you know my husband loves to go out to lunch and I think he's going out to lunch today as as I'm here working away and uh, we got in touch with some good friends of ours uh, who we haven't seen for a while and I said hey let's go out to a patio on the weekend and and they said no nope, we are not ready to do that uh, which is which is fine I know people who are I mean I I have a friend in Halifax and She already sent me a picture of uh, her latest, her latest hairdo. So, you know, I think it is to a certain extent all over the map. Uh, And, you know, later we're going to be talking to uh, restaurant owners and, I know that some that we were talking to are worried about business coming back. They said demographically, baby boomers, older people are more cautious and will be more cautious about coming back. So, audience, let's hear from you on that. Again, 416 740 toll-free 866 And, Dr. Vaceman, I'd like to get into this whole issue of of the rising number of young people who are being infected. And in the States, the numbers are are really through the roof, but it's happening here too. Yeah, it's
2: an interesting uh, observation that they've made, and there's a few explanations that could be contributing, likely, to the combination of all of them. One could be that younger people are now more aware having been uh, five months into the epidemic, the importance of going out and getting tested. And so more more awareness has led to more testing among among that group. The second element may be, as you mentioned earlier, also that uh, the restrictions on young people may not have been as effective or they may not have perceived as restrictions to be as important. It's hard to know, but that perhaps can also contribute to the the possibility that more of them are positive. In, In general, young people will have easier access to testing because they're more mobile and uh, you know more able to get to the testing centers, so they will also be tested more often in certain in certain areas where testing has become very broadly available to them so that may be why why um, more young people have tested positive recently uh,
1: dr Dionandon, what's your take on this that's exactly right to think about
3: this as an epidemiologist, there are going to be real <laughs> and bias reasons. So some of the bias reasons have to do with how we deploy the testing. For example, as we're testing less and less symptomatic people, you're gonna get more young people who tend not to show symptoms. As well, the older people are being more cautious now, and so they're being less represented in the data stream. So on balance, you're going to see a heightened weight of young people in the median age category. So I'm not entirely surprised. It doesn't necessarily mean that young people are going out and getting infected at a larger rate, but it might mean that.
1: Well, uh, this, this last weekend we saw here in Toronto on Cherry Beach, uh, you know, scenes that looked like they were out of Florida with, uh, young people crowded in. And, you know, um, you can understand why. And even in places where going to the beach was allowed and legal, uh, and there was some physical distancing, you know, it didn't, didn't, you know, it looked like mm, that might be a, a dangerous situation.
2: Yeah, the interesting thing about those observations that people are more are concerned about the distances between groups, uh, like you and another group of strangers. But what's more concerning is actually between you and the people within your group, because it's likely that when you see groups of people at the beach, that the people that they're with are not likely. And they may be within their bubble, but they may not be. So it's, it's that it's that part that's actually more concerned. Even when we create these circles and parks or beaches or wherever, that's actually not not the primary way to deal with the problem. Because the people within those circles who may be exposing each other, who are not, uh, you know, not within the bubble, that's the term that's been used to describe, like, the, the minimization of the chain of transmission. So uh, that really is a concerning aspect of seeing those kinds of things. But now that the transmission, now that the prevalence is lower, it's less and less of a concern.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Liz in Norfolk County. Hi, Liz. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um I'm
4: sure you realize that in Norfolk County, we've had a number of deaths in the farm workers. Yes. Um, it doesn't seem to be hitting home here with anybody, uh, even the older people. I had the misfortune of having to take a cab uh, last week, uh, twice. The one gentleman in the cab was at least 60 years old. The second time I took a cab, uh, the young woman was in her mid-30s. I asked them, uh, why... Didn't they have any hand sanitizer or wearing a mask or anything? The comment was, "We don't have to, and we don't think it's a problem." Well, I'm sitting there in the cab in the middle of the afternoon, and I'm sure there's been a number of people in the cab before me, and the cab drivers don't have to take precautions.
1: Well, I, I'm I have to check on the situation here in. Toronto. But, uh, you know, I I was reading an interesting thing in the Toronto Star where they had a number of epidemiologists, I think including Dr. Vaisman, rate the danger or the risk of certain activities. Uh, you know, the ranges were pretty wide in most of them, but Dr. Vaisman, w- what do you think is, is getting into a cab a dangerous thing?
2: Uh, it's there's only contact with one individual so it's hard to kind of rate it maybe in the medium kind of range the fact that other people have previously been in the cab may be of a concern but you can mitigate that risk by washing your own hands before and at, uh, or after actually exiting the cab if there's um, a depth distance between you and the cab driver that could be a safe scenario but uh, it would make sense for both you and the cab driver to wear a mask in those scenarios and Even if it's not the rule, we should be encouraging everyone to do that.
4: Well, I did have a mask on. Um, They didn't. Um, They weren't hand sanitizing. They weren't doing anything. And like I said, how many... Uh, people have they had in the cab so far that day. Um, but down here in Norfolk County, you go into any grocery store or pharmacy, you don't see masks on too many people's faces. They don't seem to give a darn anymore. It's like it's water under the bridge. Um, things are opening up. It's safe to go and do what you want to do. Um, total disregard, well, I'm 67. I don't have an immune system, Period. Um, if I get this virus, uh, I cannot see me living through it. I'm sure there's a lot of other people in this county that have the same concerns. Uh there should be a law that everybody has a mask on, no matter where they go.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's it's interesting. The Premier was asked about that, and he said he's not going to make it mandatory because he doesn't have the means to enforce it. I'm, I'm not making a judgment about whether that's a good excuse or not. <clears throat> There are places that are demanding it. There are, there are grocery chains here that they won't let you in without a mask. There are other stores. Uh, the TTC says it's mandatory, but they won't throw you off. I mean, in your place, Liz, I would say, you know, you call the cab company. I, I haven't taken a cab since this hit. And the one and man I, was the
4: owner of the cab company.
1: Okay. Well, do you, if you have choices, because, uh, I know I'm not getting into a, when I order a cab, I'm going to make sure that the person uh, who is coming, the driver, is going to be wearing a mask. And if they're not wearing a mask, I'm not getting in the cab. But I'm not doing that yet. It's one of the things I personally am, am nervous about. Um, Liz, I, I hear you. And um, yeah, This
4: should have been something that was enforced uh, months ago. I have relatives in Europe, and uh, they have to wear a mask if they're out in public, or
1: they will be charged. Oh. Okay, Liz. Um, yeah, a lot of people would agree with you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, nobody wants to, uh, you know, even when it's mandatory here, for some reason, it's, it's kind of optional. It's mandatory with no consequences. Uh, is, is that the right way to go, Ray?
3: Well, um, it has to be mandatory. Uh, the data is pretty clear now. Places with early adoption of widespread mask use see reduced transmission across the board. It's just, you can't argue anymore. The question is, administratively, how do you deploy that requirement? If you make it a criminal concern, you have to have resources to put, police it and to find people and arrest people and to punish them if they don't cooperate. So, I'm more comfortable with better public health messaging, convincing people it's the right thing to do, and that's obviously going to be a long-term struggle. But unless the, the population is uh, feels as if they're partners in this endeavor, we're not going to get through this.
1: Well, when we hear the public health people, every single time they tell us, oh, we've been great, Ontario residents have been so fabulous, uh, you know, keep it up. Is that, you know, um, is, is that accurate? And is that the right way to go? It's like between that, it's either that or total scold. Uh, you know, total a total scolding of, of, you know, people who went to the beach or whatever. Dr. Vaseman?
2: Yeah, it, it is. There, There's those extremes of the messaging that happens. I think people just need to be careful not to uh, point any finger at any specific people or a group of people, like young people say, and say they're to blame for spreading the virus or something like that. It's just a matter of reiterating the same message and making normalizing it. Uh, normalizing, like many other things that we do in our culture, in our society, that we consider to be manners, you know, masking will be part of that. It's just a matter of, it's going to take a while for the province to be on board with it for, for the majority. I think the uptake has generally been good to answer your question about the culture. But it's just going to take time for it to be normalized throughout the whole province.
1: It's, it's interesting, you know, when when I go out lately, I see more and more people wearing <laughs> masks. So I guess it is becoming normalized, though, and, and there's all this, you know, um, you know, sometimes you forget it or whatever, but, uh, yeah, it's. Um, it's difficult, and and like I said, the the messaging seems to me to be between two extremes. Either we're getting patted on the back too much, we're not really doing everything that well, or uh, just being completely scolded. Let's take a call from Martin in Brampton. Hi, Martin. Oh, hi, Libby. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Uh you know i can't get a haircut
2: there's only uh, two places around town here but i do take my mask with me all the time um you don't have to wear it all the time but if you go to the grocery store go in the store and uh, uh you put your mask on
1: that's a good idea martin thanks for your call uh we are um, running out of time for this one. but and, and on the mask question, I've asked this question before, and I seem to be getting contradictory answers. Um, I see a lot of people with the mask sort of down around their chin or their neck, and then they put it back up. Is that okay or not? I'll go
3: first on this, and if you don't mind, my my position is early on in the mask debate, it was positioned as PPE, as personal protective equipment. And so we're very concerned about not spreading infection via the mask. We're at the stage now where a mask is a transmission mitigation device. So in my opinion, it doesn't matter if your mask is poorly attended while you're not using it. What matters is when you are using it, is it covering your mouth and your nose? You're trying to prevent the stuff from leaving your mouth and entering the world. And if enough people do this at a population level, it scales up as diminished community transmission.
1: Okay, but you're not going to give yourself something bad by pulling the mask down and then pulling it back up again?
3: I don't think so, no.
1: And uh, um, Dr. Vaisman, you agree?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think that generally speaking, that's true that you're not going to infect yourself. The exception would be that if you're in like a higher risk setting, like in hospitals, we don't, uh, we ask healthcare workers to either have the mask completely off when they're eating or drinking, for example, or going to the washroom, but, uh, and then have it completely on when they're attending to care. So in the vast majority of your interactions in the public, having your mask half off isn't going to be too much of a big deal. Uh, my general recommendation is just to take it off completely and place it somewhere clean and dry so that it doesn't get contaminated somewhere. Like, but uh, overall, the risk is probably low, even if you don't do that.
1: Okay. Uh, that's all the time we have for this segment. Thank you so much, Dr. Ray Dionandon and Dr. Alon Weissman. Appreciate your time.
0: Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.